Welcome to the ONS Energy Talks, a podcast where you meet experts on energy, technology, and sustainability. Hello, and welcome to the ONS 2020 podcast series on the theme of Together. And in these interviews, we'll be focused on what it takes of leadership to drive collaboration and togetherness in the energy industry at a time of radical transition. My name is Nashita Dow Solheim. I'm the author of The Leadership Pin Code, CEO of Progressing Minds and an executive leadership coach. I'm going to be your host today in this podcast, where I'm joined today by Katrina Sundwiesen. Katrina is a master student in business, a member of the university board and former president of the student organization at the University of Stavanger. She moved from Drummond to Stavanger in 2015 graduated with a bachelor's degree in finance from the University of Stavanger and is currently in the master's programme. She tells me that from an early age she has always been engaged, seeking to take initiative. During her time as a student she's held several positions in student organisations and this ultimately led to her applying for the job as student leader in, and I'm going to ask you now Katrina, Stavanger Student organization. Yeah, Stav- the St- Stavanger <laughs> Student Organization. I'm laughing because it's written here in Norwegian and I, I wasn't sure what the acronym meant. And that was a full-time job where she helped improve the economy of the organization. In addition, she's also had different part-time jobs that have given her more meat on the bone, as we say. Her aim is to influence for the better through her work. She likes to take a challenge when facing one and says she's learning as she goes. So with that very interesting background, I'd like to welcome Katrina. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let me begin by asking you, as I was reading and reflecting on your background, that you sound very much like somebody who's very driven, really seeking to make a difference. Where does that come from? When you read all of that, I felt like, is that me? Because uh, it feels natural to me to do all of this. And where this comes from is a very good question. Um, Many people have role models uh, as celebrities or it might be someone nearby. And for me, it's someone nearby. It's my family. So it's my mother and my grandmother who has been very driven women in very hard times. And they acknowledge who they are and believe in who they are and never talk themselves down. And my mom, she has not... uh, the best degree or the best job, but even though she is a civil economist and she's very proud of who she is and who she's become. And whenever we have discussions at home, she will always lift herself up and she would never back down until she knows that, okay, I'm wrong, but it will take a really long time before she gets there. And I think that's because she knows that if I give in really easily, then no one will hear my voice at all. So she has a point in everything she does. I and love that. Yeah. And in addition, they're Finnish. So it's a term called Sisu. Uh, it's from the Winter War. Okay. And it's the term to never back down. Uh, so I think that's kind of uh, latent in my body. I don't know. <laughs> Do you, is that something you really live by? You know, don't back down, be proud of yourself, you know, use your voice. Yeah. Well, it just feels natural to me. It's just like, that's who I am. So when I talk to other people and they're like, Oh, I don't wonder if I'm going to do it. I'm just like, do it. Why not? What's your loss? To gain experience and to get to know who you are, that's kind of what I'm living for. 
So I love that. Tell me how that translates into your leadership today or perhaps your representation of students in your role as the student representative of the University of Stavanger Board. Yeah, when I was the president of the student organization, uh, I felt like I wasn't done. So I was moving on to my master's because as being a student leader, uh, you have to work full time so you don't have time for any studies. So when I started my master's, I felt like I need to do something more. I want to achieve more for this university. And then I went for the university board. Um, and actually, even though I'm kind of representing the students, I'm also representing myself as a student and my objectives and my learnings. So uh, whenever I have a saying uh, in the board or the meetings, it's always based on my previous knowledge from being a student leader. So in that capacity now, you're representing the voice of the students on perhaps quite a wide range of issues that are important to them. What key areas or priorities do students feel are the most important for the industry? And here we're talking about the energy industry, particularly with ONS. What do they feel is important for us to address? Is there anything that we're missing? Well, um, I think all students want a job. So that's uh, everyone is really concerned because they have a lot of pressure. Today, it's not really easy being the full-time student in practice because the system is not arranged for that. So you need a part-time job and you want it to be engaged and you want it to look good on your resume and so on. So there's so much pressure on you. And then again, you want to find a job, but you always think, am I good enough? Am I going to get my dream job? So I think maybe the industries needs to be out there and say, this is what we're looking for. Because everyone is talking, okay, you need to be on an exchange student, you need to have be engaged, you need to have A in a, a GPA, and so on. So there's, a, I think there's a general concern about getting a job. And I also think that a lot of students that study different things, not not necessarily petroleum, but the students that st study energy, they don't really know, like, where am I going to fit in in each business? Right. So if they could be able to um, come with a message that, okay, we might have a position for you, we might create a new one, what can you contribute with? That would be really awesome. So that's a really interesting feedback to the industry. And I've also worked in the oil and gas industry and, and closely with talents coming in from straight from university, straight from their education and looking for opportunities. And a lot of companies have trainee programs, for example. But I think it's a really important message that you share that perhaps they could do even more about being very concrete and specific about the kind of educational pathways people are coming from and therefore what are the job opportunities related to that kind of background or that kind of experience is that what you're yeah, really looking for a closer match between those two yeah because you can work uh, at a public sector you can work private but no one really knows unless you really search for it so if you're able to uh, communicate to the students by being present at the university or reaching right. out to the student at different areas inviting them to their offices and I know that they have internship and trainee programs but that's only for some specific study programs so some are left behind and you can use a lot of different students for a lot of different areas so you don't necessarily need to be an engineer or study petroleum to work at an oil and gas company and what I really like about what you're saying there is that perhaps the industry is missing out on a huge pool of talent that isn't obviously linked to a let's say, traditional 
um, degree like engineering or geology, but perhaps there's a whole pool of people doing more general energy type courses, but have a wealth of knowledge that the industry could benefit from. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we're just not marketing the opportunities towards those people in the right way. No. Well, some of them are actively searching for it. But for those who are not, it's really difficult. And I've talked to some of them and they search. I think they're um, the people that I talked to did not have a job for half a year after they graduated from a master. Wow. Yeah. And that was in relatively new established masters here at the university in Sawangi. It's called Energy Society and Environment. So that's a really good idea to get those people into the oil and gas industry. Especially now where the industry is really concerned about sustainability, looking at moving more towards being more green and yes. more into the renewable space. So those kinds of courses, even the title of the course sounds like it would be mm. incredibly relevant for the industry to be looking at it bringing is, talent in from there. Uh, it is, and those uh, students, they don't only look at energy as one thing. They look at the economy, how the oil and gas industry works, how windmills can produce energy. They look at so many different aspects. So they're not just one thing. They're just all of it. And that's maybe what we're looking for. The people that knows the processes and how everything is built up and not only look at one side from the other. Because I feel like that's what the politics have been to these days. It's just one side against the other. So those people are maybe the people that can negotiate those two to see the whole picture. And you're really feeding there into the theme of ONS this year, which is about togetherness. Yes. And that can mean so many different things, right? So that could be, you know, togetherness between um, the different suppliers in the industry working with the operators. But in this case, I'm really feeling that it's about togetherness in terms of the industry and this huge pool of the future talent and generation of Mm. workers in the industry working closer together now. Absolutely. As we're exploring what the industry could do more of, what kind of concrete tips you know, have? You have the ear now on this podcast of the industry and many leaders and decision makers in the industry. What kind of concrete tips could you give them on things they could do to reach out to the younger crowd, yes. to engage them more into the industry? Yeah, so I think everyone is really focused on social media marketing. And social media is a very powerful tool if you know how to use it, if you have the right followers and so on. But... I think a more powerful tool is word of mouth, but word of mouth is really expensive. You need to be present. You need to meet the right people at the right time. Um, But if, as I said before, if the industry were to come to the university or to invite them over, then I think students will open their eyes and see them from an entirely different perspective. And you do have some uh, career days where they all come, but they just stand there. They're just standard. Oh. They don't really reach out and say, hey, do you want to listen to my company, what we can do? And I feel like the vibe is more like, don't you know about our company? So the students need to reach out to them. And that's wrong because <laughs> the companies need to sell themselves for the students to be attractive. Um, so I'm just going to pick on that yeah. point because I'm fascinated by that. You know, we're, at ONS, we're going to have a huge exhibition. There'll be hundreds of stands, lots of people standing there. And I'm curious really as to whether they... You're inviting them to do more about, as they see younger people walking past, actively reaching out for a conversation about what they're there for and what they're interested in. 
I'll go as far as to say that perhaps it almost sounds like complacency or arrogance sometimes on the part yes. of these. Am I? I'm hearing. I'm seeing you nod, but the yeah. listeners won't see the nod, uh, but they can tell you agree that we, the industry, really needs to be much more proactive and think. Get into your mindset. Get into the students' mindset. What is it they're looking for? What do they need from us? Hmm. Uh, and not assume perhaps that you have either the insight or the knowledge or the confidence sometimes to be able to reach into them. Do you feel that in, or do students generally feel that they are well represented by peers of their own age in these situations? So when there are hosted events or sponsored events, are you seeing age-like peers there or are we representing it with a different generation that you don't relate to? Yeah, well, I think that's part of the problem because ah. they have age-like peers and they just started in the job. They don't really know everything about it um, or what they do. They know what they do, but if you have extra questions or something else or if you don't ask about another position at that firm, they would be really uh, confused what to answer. So if you would have a mix of those two, because usually they send two people. So if you would have one that is experienced and one that is maybe a newbie and like yourself, your age, then that would be a better balance because then you have the confident of the experienced one right. and then you have the person that kind of looks like you and it's not that difficult to approach. Uh, so I think that would be better. But then again, it's about priorities and what the firm thinks is best and yeah well they, they have they're the hearing time. it from you Katrina and I, <laughs> I kind of think this is this is just a great piece of advice to the industry as you're listening that I've seen myself as well and I asked the question because I thought perhaps that's what people felt was the right thing to do was to try and mirror the audience that you're reaching out to so the more young people on the stands the more young people engaging in these conversations perhaps would speak to that audience and what you're telling them very clearly is Yes, but you're missing something there because we also need the experienced voice that can answer our questions. Yes, because, you know, you have the Internet and some students that actually do have the question and approaches without even uh, hesitating. They would know a lot, but they need that extra piece of information that maybe your the young peers or doesn't have. So and because uh, I think the young generation today is more interested in general in everything. So I think they know a lot. So to get someone to say this exact same thing that you already read about online, it's kind of frustrating. And it right. it's the same for when the university is at stands and maybe I was a uh, high school graduate and I wanted to go to the University of Stavanger. And then I talked to uh, maybe a teacher and he would give me all of the academic input. But then again, what about the social? So then you need a student. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that's great. And I'm sure as a result of what you've just shared, we will see some shifts and changes in the industry in terms of how they're representing and reaching out to the student population. At least I, that's my hope, that they will take your advice on board. Let's, let's wait till we get to ONS. So, Katrina, one of the things we've really been focusing on in these podcasts is leadership. And in my experience, at least, leadership comes in many forms. It can be leading organisations, it can be leading teams, leading yourself, leading activities. And I'm curious, with your background and experience, you've You've done a lot of those different types of leadership. You've been the leader of a big student organisation. You're now representing the organisation, although you may not be leading them directly. So 
how do you engage the students into these key issues that we've just been talking about? Yeah, uh, I think that's a really good question because it's really hard to get students to engage these days. We can see a trend that it goes like up and downs for each year that goes. But I think it depends on the start of the week um, for new and fresh students and how uh, the existing students formulate or give out the message that, hey, you can engage, you can actually do something here. And if you manage and succeed to do that, then students are more likely to actually be active and engaged. And we also see that if we just give them the little push, like you can do this, you can you can manage this on the side of your uh, of your studies, besides your training for being social, you can do all of this together then they would most likely engage. But that, again, is really hard because it's word of mouth. So you have to be everywhere. And we are not like um, an octopus. We can't be everywhere because we're only, we were at that time, we were only three people. But then again, we have some really good, I would say, colleagues in the engaged uh, community. And uh, they would all encourage others to apply to different student organizations. And we can also see that when someone posts something on Facebook, do engage in this, do this, apply now. No one does. But if I go to you and I said, did you read that post on Facebook? And you say yes. And then I said, what do you think about it? And then you said, well, yeah, I'm not that sure. And then I said, well, why not? You would be perfect for that position. And then I suggest something for you. And then you would be like, yeah, well maybe, well, maybe that's right. And then most likely you will apply. You're really tapping into something that I think that is important when we're looking to engage different perspectives in the industry, which are very important in terms of where the, the transition will take us, that we need to engage in the right way. And having corporate messages, beautiful PowerPoint presentations, and now even social media presentations may not be having the reach and the effect that we want and you're describing very clearly there if I hear you correctly that the personal reach is what makes the difference but it's also demanding of time and yeah energy and also I think that a lot of students because of this pressure of getting good grades and you want to be social and you want to work out and so on uh, you're not giving the priority of being active in a student organization. And that's really, it's it's bad because you get a lot of experience from being engaged in different activities. So I hope that the future generation actually feels like this is something I need to do to find out who I am, what I can do, what are my capabilities, because that's something you learn along the way and you never stop learning until you eventually leave this earth. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Really Couldn't good. have said it better myself. <laughs> so what would really, what kind of issues are on the students' organisational populations' minds right now? What are they really concerned about when they're looking at the energy industry and what's happening there? Yeah, well, I think the students have a more... Uh, an overall perspective on the whole situation because we know that it's not black and white. So I never heard of anyone that goes into huge protests or demonstrations and so on. But I heard that they talked about it all the way from the small things in everyday life that they can do and all the way to what um, the oil and gas industry can do. And they all, or all the people or students that I've talked to, they all say that we need to get into the industry to actually make a change. Because you can't really just uh, give the responsibility to a politician and say that 
yeah, today we're going to do this and then something else might happen. So we, I think that a lot of students, it's really reflective around the situation of the industry. And they really feel the need to be directly involved in the industry to make the difference. Yes. Is there a strong sense, and we see a lot of this in the media at the moment, is there a strong sense in students today of the need to re- for the industry to be much more radical in its approach to being greener and more sustainable? What's the, what's the perspective from students right now on how far the industry should go from fossil fuels to yeah well i know that if some industries uh come up with the message that today we all only have energy in our offices from solar panels for example then everyone would be like this is crap this is then you have to announce it earlier you can't just say that we've done it right now so i think everyone knows that things take time so if you work on something just keep everyone up in the process but don't just put it out there uh, on a paper and say this is what we do and then we actually can figure out that this is not really true and that's the thing about corporate social responsibility because a lot of firms they leave the responsibility to an accountant or other firms to write it and if they were able to actually say something about themselves in that report or whenever they do something, an announcement directly from the employees, then that would be better. But you can't do that because when you're an employee, you're restricted to a lot of things that you can say. Um, so you feel in some ways that there's a need for a more honest voice. Yes, that's very good. About yeah. what's going on, mm-hmm. um, the efforts that they're making, not just flagship yeah. celebrations of you know, one or two things perhaps that um, promote their efforts, but really having the employees talk about what's going on in a daily, in daily business that for is example. meeting that goal, for example. Okay. Yeah. And I think that when they're saying that we do this and we do this and we do this, they could be like, honestly, things take time. And that would be, I think for the Norwegian population, for students, for everyone, that would be like, that's totally understandable. And then they would say, but we're working on it. Right. We're getting there. Right. This is our goal. This is our ambition. And just be honest instead of say like, yeah, today we uh, have switched our uh, uh, coffee cups out. So we only have glass so we can uh, put in the dishwasher. We don't have any uh, paper cups that we throw away or something like that. It would be um, superficial. Right. Yeah. So... It's a great call to the industry for our listeners to be more honest, mm-hmm. even if it means being honest about the how demanding and challenging the journey is going to be, but that they're working on it. And then some of these, I call them flagship or perhaps lip service to uh, some of the changes they're making that is about going green. Mm-hmm. Very interesting to hear your reflections on that. So you're in an interesting position of representing and leading peers these are your friends, you perhaps study with them, you socialise with them. Tell me a little bit about your personal approach to leadership in that position. Well, I feel like in um, in our group of friends, there's a lot of people sticking out, but no one really wants to take the responsibility. And that's always been like, Catherine, you can fix it. And I'd be like, sure, I can fix it. And whenever they don't say anything, I'd be like, I'll do it or I'll fix it, I'll I'll handle it. And I think it's about they having trust in me, that I would actually do it, I would accomplish what we manage or what we set up to do. So um, yeah, it's it's, uh, not that uncomfortable, 
But at times it can be. If someone has not done something I asked them to do, and if I put them on the spot, like, why didn't you do that? It's, it's kind of awkward, but I think they get it because I often explain to them why I have to do this and make them understand how it feels for me to say it. And often people might think that that's a weakness, but communication is hard. So to communicate what I'm feeling and maybe I say, how are you feeling? Then I think they understand my position. You've described the, I mean, it's music to my ears because I work with <laughs> leaders and leadership development. And one of the things I'm often talking about is what great effective leaders do. And you've just described it in, t- in two parts. One is having empathy, you know, sharing how you feel and asking them how they feel. And the other part is explaining the why. You know, why are we doing this? Why am I asking you to do this? Why is this important? And I think it's it's great to hear that whether you're leading a large organisation, leading people who report to you or your peers, those skills are critical in getting people on board. Yeah, I think it would be different it was if I was a CEO at a firm, for example, because then there would be so many people. But if you try to give a little bit, little bit about yourself and show that you are human too, you are not that... I'm sorry to say this, but white old man on the top and just deciding everything, uh, then I think people would be more respective over you as a person and as a leader. Right, because people want to be seen and valued. And if you can do that in a small way, yeah, then you have them with you. So we're heading towards ONS and ONS has had for a long time now ONS Young. So yes. What are your reflections on ONS Young's ambitions, its activities, and what it's really managing to achieve for for the young population. Yeah, I think this is what everyone has been waiting for. Uh, The focus on energy and how to be together, to know that there is some kind of information out there and an area where we can all get together and discuss it. And even for the young crowd who might seek information and get information from different sides, and maybe they're confused, maybe... ONS will be the area for them that they can actually get an answer to what they're looking for. It might not be the solution of how we're going to solve the climate change, but just an input on how you can contribute or answer the questions that you wondered about, because maybe your dad is saying that we're all going to die, and then your mother said, no, we're not going to die because of this and this and this. And you're so confused. Think about being a teenager today and all that information that you get. So, yeah, I think uh, Onus Young this year would be really good and really great. If there was one or two, maybe, things that you would really, because you have the opportunity now to request of Onus Young since we're, we're here talking to many of the leaders in the industry, what would you like to see happen in this year's Onus Young? I would love an honest debate uh, or a discussion or maybe just sitting on the couch, just discussing. But I think every time there's a debate or discussion, there's always some honesty, some rules, some restrictions on the back of everyone's heads. So I would love to see some CEOs, some young people and just a huge mix of people uh, talking together, maybe just calmly about what can we do? Where are we now? Uh, What do you actually think about the climate change or energy or what are uh, your solutions? What do you think that we can do? So that would be really great if we could have that. Well, you've asked for it here, so I'm really looking forward to seeing whether that comes up on the agenda for ONS Young this year. I think it's a great suggestion. It reflects absolutely the theme of ONS, which is together and together in 
the sense of those who are older and younger, more experienced, new to the industry, but coming up with solutions together. Yeah. As, I, as far as I know, I think there's going to be some of that. So um, for all of the youngsters listening, just wait and see. <laughs> well, that's a great way to wrap up, Katrina. I could spend a long time talking to you about some of these issues. Your, in, your insight is refreshing. And I think I've already learned a lot just sitting with you here talking about some of the concerns and reflections that the student population have on the industry. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us today. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. And for your time. And we look forward to seeing you at ONS Young. Yeah, thank you. The same. <laughs>